Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoy today's message. not used to being up here on a Monday night, and you're not used to being out here on a Monday night, so a little bit different, but it's so good to be able to gather here this evening on what is, according to the Hebrew calendar, the beginning of a, a new Shana, a new year. And I'd like to share a few thoughts with you uh, concerning this season that we're in. I don't know if you realize it, and you probably do, but maybe not that this celebration that we're celebrating here this evening goes by a number of different names. For example, we like to call it Yom Teruah. Yom means day, Teruah means the blast of the shofar. It's also called the Feast of Trumpets. How many of you have heard it called the Feast of Trumpets before? That's very common, Feast of Trumpets. Or if you want to switch it up a little bit, the Feast of Shofars, you know. <laughs> it's called Rosh Hashanah or the, the Jewish New Year, it's also called. And as you can see, there are all these different ways to express this one idea, which in itself comes from the Scripture, from the Torah, initially. Yes, it's an old holy day. And we do call this a New Year in many circles. But its celebration is not new at all. It's actually quite old. So we're gathering here tonight on what is a special occasion that's happening throughout the Jewish world at least. Different time zones. Uh, some are ahead of us and some are a little behind us. With different time zones. But the same thing is happening, some type of celebration. There are distant, different customs associated with this celebration. There's some continuity from one culture to the next or as, next as far as Jewish culture. But it's Rosh Hashanah, Yom Teruah, the Jewish New Year, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Shavuot. However you one wants to say, that's what this is about this evening. And as I mentioned, it's not a new celebration. Although we say it's a new year, it's not a new celebration. It's actually ancient. And those who went before us many generations previous, the prior generations, in places like Cairo, Rome, Damascus, Baghdad, Babylon, Tehran, Alexandria, and I'm not talking Virginia, I'm talking Egypt, Alexandria, and, of course, Yerushalayim, Jerusalem. In these cities, which when we hear their names, some of them sound so far off and so this, but long time ago, and even in some cases up to now, as such as Rome and Jerusalem, this celebration still persists. 
this Rosh Hashanah, this Yom Teruah, is still being celebrated. In fact, Israel is ahead of us right now. <laughs> They're in the, the early morning hours right now. They've already ushered in uh, with the sounds of the shofar. They've already ushered in this holy day, this head of the year. And customs connected to this in different areas, customs connected are, are you know, immense. There are different approaches in, in places like Cairo, Egypt, which right now has almost no Jewish people living in it. But at one time, there was a thriving Jewish community in Cairo, Egypt. Alexandria, Egypt, at the time of Yeshua, when he walked, it's estimated that almost one half of the population of Alexandria, Egypt, was Jewish. Rome, there's still an ancient community embedded in, embedded in Rome, but that community goes all the way back. We can read about it in the Brit Hadashah. When Rav Shaul goes to, Paul goes to Rome and he's placed in prison and he's, he's speaking to the Jewish people from there and others. But even these places don't take us back to the original point of where we get this, where this was instituted, where this celebration was initially given by God. And it was the desert place. In Hebrew it's called the Midbar in the desert place, estimated the second year after the children of Israel had come out of Mitzrayim, had come out of Egypt, God speaks to Moses and tells Moses to tell B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, about as the Lord terms it, he says, Moadai, my appointed times. <laughs> In the desert place, the children of Israel had been in Mitzrayim, in Egypt, enslaved. And by the mighty hand of God, had been delivered out of that place. And the Torah points out in Leviticus chapter 23, which you've already read, but I want to repeat it. Leviticus chapter 23, Sefer Vayikra, the book of Vayikra, chapter 23, beginning with verse 23. It says this, Then the Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to B'nai Israel, speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, Yiyeh lachem Shabbaton zikharon teruah mikra kodesh. You shall have a Shabbaton, a Sabbath rest, a Zikaron, a memorial of Teruah, blowing of trumpets, a Mikra Kodesh, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Here in this passage, arguably, was the institution of what we're celebrating today. Do you know how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago this was when God spoke to Moshe out in the wilderness of Sinai and instituted his Moadim, his feast days, a lot longer than we've been around. In fact, if we did our collective ages here, there were some math people and they just started writing all the age, we still wouldn't be close to how long ago. 
God instituted these feasts. And you know, it truly is a neskadol, a great miracle, that here we are in Oklahoma City in 2021, and we still remember these feast days that God instituted. Actually, they are His feast days. And did you notice he said the seventh month on the first day of the month? He wasn't talking about July 1st. If it was July 1st, we would be thinking here in America, we'd be thinking about kosher hot dogs, <laughs> buns, including gluten-free, <laughs> watermelon and apple pie, 7-1. My birthday's 7-8, I get this. <laughs> But he says the seventh month, and he's speaking about the Hebrew calendar month. In Hebrew, it's called Tishri. The seventh Hebrew calendar month is the month of Tishri. Well, friends, it's almost dark right now. And as this sun goes down, we enter into the seventh month, the very first day. That's Rosh Hashanah, the civil new year. That's Yom Teruah. That's the Jewish New Year that is called all the names that we ascribe to it. Our customary greeting is to say Shana Tova. I like to add the Um Mektuta, a good and a sweet year. And I pray that for everyone here tonight, a good and a sweet year ahead for you, your family, and all that concerns you as you honor the Lord with your life. We also dip apples into honey, which symbolizes many things. But our hope, you know, in, in a sense, honey's kind of sweet, isn't it? Most people would say it is. It's our hope for a shana tovam tuka, for a good and a sweet year. And we dip apples into honey, a sign of a harvest, because we're coming to the autumn feast days. And some of us have been a little bit thrown for a loop because this Holy Day, this Yom Teruah, this Rosh Hashanah, has come a little earlier than it usually does. Which means, guess what? Since they're all linked together, that means that by the time we get to the end of November, we're going to encounter Hanukkah. Because those feasts also, the ones in between, Sukkot, Yom Kippur, which is a fast day, and then we get to Hanukkah, they're all based on the Hebrew calendar. The seventh month, the first day of the month, it says. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The seventh month and the first day of the month, You shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial blowing of trumpets, shofars, a mikra kodesh, a holy convocation. Now, the other thing is honey cake. Who've, how many have heard of that custom of eating honey cake this time of the year? Well, I certainly have. <laughs> and I have, uh, how would I say it? I have um, ridded, ridded the world of many slices of honey cake over the years. <laughs> and I've worked my way through some honey cakes that were absolutely scrumptious. And how do I say this politely? And I'm not talking about Miriam's honey cake. <laughs> but I've also worked my way laboriously through some honey cake that, well, uh, did remind me of when Rosh Hashanah was first instituted in the Sinai Desert. 
And I survived some of the honey cake. <laughs> I'm not the only one, well, one well-known, right now living, modern Orthodox rabbi who's based in New York City. And I'm quoting him out of context, but I think he would probably chuckle about it too. He went so far as to say that Rosh Hashanah, what we're celebrating now, is, quote, the important message of Rosh Hashanah is to remember and celebrate our survival. That's how I felt after I got rid of some of the honey cake. I had got through the desert. I've, I've seen the promised land, and it got through. Now I'm joking about some of the customs, but they have deep meaning. And we start in the evening. Did you notice it's about to be fully evening here we start celebrating in the evening based upon what the Scripture says in Bereshit, Genesis chapter 1, verse 5. And it says, And God called the light Yom Day, and the darkness He called Lila Night. Notice this next statement. You're familiar with this. The evening and the morning were Yom Echad, day one or the first day. The day started in the evening and then the morning. So the day of Rosh Hashanah, I know this gets a little confusing, but it's going to start here at sundown. That's when the day of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Teruah, begins. Now, many of you have probably looked at some calendars and you tried to figure out, well, when is Passover? And you looked on your calendar, unless you had a one that explained it to you that the holy days start on the evening before, you may have been starting e eating matzah a day late. <laughs> but it's evening and day that constitutes a day. I know it's a little confusing. And this holy day, this Yom Teruah, this feast of blowing of the trumpets or the shofar, is, as I mentioned, it's called in Hebrew a moed. A moed, one way to translate that is an appointed time. Well, if you have an appointment, you need to know who it's with. And this appointed time is with the Lord. It's His feast day. I'm so glad we can gather here this evening together as a kehila, as a community, and celebrate together and, and reminisce and remember what God said and, and look at Scripture and enjoy the wonderful dancing that we've seen and, and sing some of the music and, and recite some of the Scriptures and the things that we are reciting. But ultimately, this holy day is the Lord's holy day. We often call them, and I heard this growing up, and you did too, the Jewish feast. Well, yes and no. The Lord's feast that the Jewish people for centuries turned millennia have managed to keep. And I'm so thankful for that. Yom Teruah, this particular holy day, and in fact, all the Moedim, all the appointed times or holy days, are listed in a very important chapter, which is Leviticus chapter 23. And I know in some circles, when you say the book Leviticus, there's almost, it's cringeworthy. You're not going to really read from Leviticus, are you? It's fly past it territory in your Bible readings. It's right up there with the genealogies and the chronologies and the other ologies. 
But if you fly past Leviticus, you miss some of the most important teaching in Scripture, in my opinion. You miss, All of you shall be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. You miss that. It's repeated later, but it's a quote from Leviticus. You miss all the feast days. Sure, in Exodus we read about the Passover, but you see the institution of Pesach carried forward in the book of Leviticus as the first feast listed other than the Sabbath. You miss about the Sabbath too. And Shavuot and Sukkot, which is coming up. Our wonderful holy days that we, I believe it's a privilege to be able to gather this evening and celebrate. And you are tapping into some very ancient core here, some biblical core. You're tapping right into it as you celebrate uh, Yom Teruah, as we celebrate th this holy day. Now, this thing right up here, and Jonathan, you aced it when you blew that shofar a little while ago. <laughs> For someone who have, may have never seen this, they might wonder, well, what happened to that macaroni or something like that? <laughs> I mean, it's an odd-looking item. I mean, this one in particular is beautiful, but I've seen some that look like they'd had better days. But this one, you know, you look at this, what, what an instrument, what an item that is. In Hebrew, it's called a shofar. It's not really a trumpet. That is another Hebrew word. So when we talk about the Feast of Trumpets, it's really the Feast of Shofars we're talking about. It's this instrument and some of the miniature ones that I don't know if they're harder or easier to, to play, but they're, they're there. And I still have the greatest respect for those that can get some notes out of that thing. <laughs> we commonly call it a, a ram's horn. It doesn't necessarily have to be a ram. But it must be from a kosher animal. That means um, the tusk of an elephant, <laughs> the horn of a rhinoceros, uh, the, the horn of a warthog, need not apply for Rosh Hashanah duty. Thank you, but no thank you. And according to Jewish custom and tradition, there's even one kosher animal that we don't use the horn, the ram's horn for, the horn from, and that is a bull. Because it's reminiscent of the Egel Hazahav, the golden calf. So we stay completely away from that. But this is actually also, I mean, it's an odd-looking item, but it's a musical instrument according to the Bible. For example, in Psalm 150, verse 3, it says, Ha'eluhu beteka shofar. Ha'eluhu beteka shofar, which means praise him with the sound of, and I'm going to read you the mistranslation, the sound of the trumpet. It's actually, you heard it, Hallelujah, beteka, shofar. You could hear the word shofar there. Psalm 150, verse 3 says, Praise him with the sound of the shofar. And if you look at all this psalm, and I'd encourage you to, this shofar, this 
horn, and I'll call it a ram's horn for simplicity's sake. It's definitely not an elephant horn. It's not a warthog horn or a rhino horn. But this is a musical instrument that makes various sounds. And on this Rosh Hashanah, this Yom Turah, the day of the blowing, the blasting of the shofar, there are three basic sounds I'd like you to listen for. And Dean, would you please stand at this time? I'm going to call these three sounds, and you can focus your attention back there with Dean if you would. I'm going to call each of the three basic sounds out, and Dean's going to give you an idea of what that sound is. And if you listen carefully, there are three different ones, but it's all coming from one instrument. The first one is tekia. The second one is shevarim. The third one is teruah. Thank you, Dean. Did you hear three different sounds for the? Yeah, that deserves it. Yes. <laughs> Every time I see someone blowing the shofar, I say, Lord, thank you that that's not me trying to do that. I'd call every coyote in the state of Oklahoma to this place. And all the prey animals trying to get them. <laughs> but curiously, and to me it's not so curious, but to some it is, one of the ways that we speak about the shofar in the Bible, the scripture, in the Hebrew language, is it's called kol shofar. Kol shofar. You want to try to say those three syllables? Kol shofar. Kol is this voice. It's your voice. A kol shofar literally means the voice of the shofar. It's translated most often in Scripture as the, the sound of the shofar because shofars with voice makes it sound like they're, they're living objects. But kol ha-shofar, the voice, the sound of the shofar is spoken of much in Scripture. And we encounter it as we read through Scripture. When we read about kol ha-shofar, the sounding of the shofar, there are definite purposes why or reasons why the shofar was sounded in Scripture. For example, it's meant to speak to us. Now that may sound strange, but in the Hebrew thinking, it's kol ha-shofar, the voice of the shofar. And when the voice is, is set forth towards someone, it's communicating something. So it's meant to communicate something to us. When we hear it in, in, the, in the book of Psalms and in Hebrew thinking, the blessing really is the person who blows the shofar. They're called ba'al tekiah. And then the blessing, though, according to the book of Psalms, is blessed is he who hears or she that hears the teruah. The sound of the shofar, the implication is that you hear the shofar and you get the message. So pray tell what might be some of the messages behind the blasting of the shofar. It speaks to us. It's cold shofar. It's the voice of the shofar. Well, in the Scripture, it alerted us. In the Scripture, it warns us. In Scripture, it summons us. Sometimes it's summoned to milchama, to battle, to war. It also was meant as a zikharon, as a reminder, as a reminder. 
Those of you who have been in Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, modern Israel, and if you've been there on Yom HaZikaron, Memorial Day, Remembrance Day of the Holocaust in Israel, it's quite something. Everything stops. I mean the buses stop, the taxis stop, the cars stop. And everyone, you're in the middle of a, a traffic jam in Jerusalem and you get out of your car and you stand out of attention and you can hear the sound that's transmitted throughout the city, the sound of the shofar. It reminds us of many things. And also, it is used to summons or to call us to a mikra kodesh, a holy convocation. You know, this is a holy convocation tonight. And in fact, let me remind you something Yeshua said in Matatiao, Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. You probably know this verse by heart. Yeshua told his Talmudim, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And during these days, as we start this first day of Yom Turah with the Mikra Kodesh, a holy convocation with the sound of the shofar, etc., we are also beginning the ten days of awe between now and Yom HaKippurim or Yom Kippur. The ten days of awe. And Yeshua said, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. During these ten days of awe, we should make sure that we are walking as right as possible with other people. That means we may need to forgive someone, even though deep down we think they don't deserve it. Isn't that how God is with us? He forgives us and we don't really deserve it. We were dead in our sins. If he did not send his son Yeshua, the Messiah, to die in our place, we would be without hope in this world. Forgive. And in some cases, people find it easier to forgive, but they find it much more difficult to go and ask forgiveness because it involves humility. Will you please forgive me? And fessing up, and not a bunch of buts and ifs and ands, just please forgive me, I, and whatever the issue is. During these days and during the month of Elul that we are just coming out of now as we enter Tishri, the month that preceded the Hebrew calendar, this month we're entering now, the month of Elul was a time of, of introspection. This is a time of forgiveness, and also it's a time of community, seeking the well-being of our community. That's very important. But right after Yeshua said this, and I'm reading this for the third time on purpose, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. If you were filling in the blank, what would you have come next? Well, here's what comes next. And to me, it's not a big surprise. But here's what comes next. Then Peter came to Yeshua. It's the very next verse. How many times did Peter come to Yeshua? Then Peter, Kepha, came to Yeshua and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Peter was probably saying, yeah, I'm pretty generous. I'll do seven times. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> 
Now, it would have been a great Kodak moment, as we used to call it before cell phones, a great Kodak moment to see Peter's face as Yeshua responded to his question. He, Kepha questioned Yeshua, Lord, how many times? Up to seven times? Verse 22 of Matatiao, verse 18, Yeshua said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times but up to 70 times 7. Any math people here? Uh, I, I don't know, but that's a big difference between 7 and 70 times 7. 70 times 7 points to forgiving others should be a believer's way of life. We must walk in forgiveness. And at times we do need to ask forgiveness. Some of you maybe even in recent history here, you've had to ask forgiveness. And you probably have had to extend forgiveness. It is absolutely critical in a marriage to be able to do that. Because if you don't extend forgiveness and ask for forgiveness when it's necessary, callousness can develop, hardness of heart. And Yeshua said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, say it with me, please, the next part, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And you know, there is another verse after this. <laughs> but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. How many of you think we should be in the area of forgiveness growing and growing and make sure we get this right because it's crucial for our lives. So as we receive forgiveness and then we also reciprocate, we extend forgiveness. That's a virtuous thing. It's not a weakness. It's a virtuous thing. Some even argue that repentance, repentance is the greatest gift of all outside of Yeshua himself. Repentance. And they also go on and say, far too few practice it faithfully. Repentance. Now lastly, and we'll continue and complete our service here in a moment, I want to mention one more important aspect of these holy days, and particularly as we begin Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah this evening. And that is the aspect of the Lord's kingship. I made a point to lift up this challah before and mention that we call it a crown challah right here. And there's a reason why during these holy days we do usually use a crown challah. It's a custom. Uh, it reminds us of the Lord's kingship, that he is the king. In Hebrew parlance, when we say blessings, we make blessings, we usually put the term melech ha'olam into the blessing. Melech is a king. Make sure you say melech and not melach. Melech means king. Melach means salt. So you want to pronounce a blessing and use the melech haolam, the king of the earth, of, of the universe, not the salt of the universe, please. We say this blessing, we, you'll hear it many times, the melech haolam, the king of eternity, the eternal king. And I want to leave you with this thought. 
because it ties into not only this Moed, this holy day, but the days that are coming up all the way up through Sukkot. It's taken from Tehillim, Psalm 29, verse 10, where it says, The Yeshev Adonai Melech Leolam. Simply translated means the Lord sits as king. How long? Forever. Does that include this day? Yes. Does that include this Yom Teruah? Yes. Does that include tomorrow as he gives us that day? Yes, it does. The Lord sits as king forever. And this is the question I want to leave you with. Is Yeshua your king on this Rosh Hashanah? Do you know your king? His name is Yeshua, Ben David, the son of David. And every day, every day, the way we act, the way we speak, and the way we treat others points to who's really king in our life. And we can do well this year by the grace of God in these areas. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 10.40 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org. Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.